So it is a no-brainer get life insurance because you never know what's around the corner. That is not the start of the episode. That is far too grim. <laughs> <laughs> that is morbid. Do yeah. not start the episode with that. <laughs> I'm sorry, David. It's, it's a must now. I'm sorry. <laughs> get life insurance. You're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fuck row over. <laughs> <laughs> the end is coming sooner than you want it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. And I'm Dave. Stephen King month is dead, but may come back again. <laughs> Maybe not for the better. And just like the Austrian oak shifting from action hero to US state governor, we're making a smooth transition over to Arnold Schwarzenegger month with the best Stephen King slash Arnold Schwarzenegger crossover film that there has ever been. The Running Man. <laughs> Arguable, but I'll let it pass. <laughs> so is The Running Man, is it running hot or is it running scared? Essentially, we're going to find out if it'll be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. So before we go on, our last film on trial was <laughs> The Dark Tower. Now, Ozzy judged that trial and deemed that The Dark Tower should be placed on the shit list. He's since gone away and watched the film but, I, since, but that Ben then hasn't since then turned up yes. to record the episode. He hasn't turned again. up and he hasn't told us what he reckons about <laughs> the Dark Tower. So once again, guys, general consensus, Dark Tower, shit list, right call or not? There's no question at yes, all. it's the right call, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah d- disappointing because, as you said, there's so much potential there, but just not very well executed. I, do you know what? I, I, that's my main, uh, that's what I disagreed with you most. I don't think there was that much potential, to be honest. Like, I do think it was a hard... The books just aren't that good. And I'm sorry, I'm a massive Stephen King fan. The books just really are hit and miss. And I'd say out of seven books or six books, there's two hit and the rest aren't good at all. So it was a hard It was a hard uh, path. And my God, they didn't, they didn't even like, step one foot on it. Do <laughs> 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 you feel it's like Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade where he steps on the J and just immediately crashes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just, <laughs> like, just like trips over, crashes on all the letters and he just all yeah. fall down onto the spikes. Yeah, yeah. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> right, thank you very much for that, guys. Uh, now on to the trial. Now all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So acting in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be me and i'm just like arnold schwarzenegger's character ben richards any dodgy footage you may find of me has obviously been doctored (laughs) especially any audio footage in the green mile episodes (laughs) whatever i said was all above board anyway acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be ozzy and dave now dave is just like richard's Dawson's character, Damon Killian, seemingly universally loved by everyone, but eventually all of the little people that he has shat on over the years will rise up and take their revenge. (laughs) It's going to happen, Dave. I'm looking forward to it. Bring it on. (laughs) And if Ozzy does join us at any point, Ozzy is just like the character Dynamo. He's He's good with electricity. He's musically gifted. He's always exuberantly dressed and he drives like he has a death wish. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, I'm glad no, I'm glad you brought this up because I didn't know this was a thing. And I, I Ozzy gave me a lift about two years ago. I was absolutely terrified the entirety of it through. And it was only since you started making this joke, I'm like, oh, thank God it's not just me. It was like, you know, when you're just taking corners in the big van and you're just sort of like, <laughs> I was trying not to audibly make little noises <laughs> as we were talking. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad. But uh, there, was, there was one point where we were driving back from a, a lad's holiday. I think we nipped out to the shops or something. There was uh, me and him in the front, and a few others in the back. And um, he was he was like looking at the sat nav, and he was also looking at the road. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't realise that he'd come to a giveaway point. And I had to literally just go, oh, stop. <laughs> and he stopped, right? Just as this yeah. little car like went past and woman, like kind of gave him a little beep. And I was and he was like, Oh god, good job you told me to stop then. I was like, Yeah, it would have been game over. And he was like, Well, game over for hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're in a massive van. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, 
really massive fan. She was in a mini. You're right. I think I think that's where he gets his confidence from, isn't it? Just knowing he's going to win. Anyway, mate, <laughs> made them sound so callous there as well. Obviously, it was a joke. Uh, anyway, now, obviously, well, obviously, might not even pitch up here or not. So, that, I suppose that's an added element of excitement now in the films on trial episodes, whether obviously we'll actually pitch up halfway through the episode or not. Anyway, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though. So, do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear what they really think, which means this week, Alex has the most important role as he will be playing the judge. And Alex is just like Professor Tanaka's character, Sub-Zero, a respected teacher to some people, a hairy villain who falls over and suffers a head injury to others. (laughs) (laughs) Many things to many people. (laughs) Now, Alex must decide which list the film should be placed on hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. Now, before we get started, I think we should give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So why not spin the wheel of impressions? And it's landed on me, right? Ah, so, hey. how would you like me to oh, just to prove you? Because I can, I can always prove now. Look, there's me. There we go. And um, just uh, so, how would you like me to read the synopsis? I think just a standard Schwarzenegger, Gav. Yeah, Let's I'd not say make it fancy. I'd say Arnie. Uh, are we, do we run the risk of um, running out of impressions by the end of the month? Look, <laughs> just, I, I think we ran out. Just I think we ran out yeah. towards the end of 2019. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. Let's, let's start off with it. And especially, I'm glad it's you as well, because you are the biggest Arnie fan. So let's have the best Arnie impression. Do you know what? Let's. We should have a month where we all do our Arnie impression, maybe. Okay, there we go. Yeah, starting off with me. You right. start off with the best. Come on. Okay, well, you say the best, right? Thank God. Okay, <clears throat> In a dystopian America, a falsely convicted policeman gets his shot at freedom when he must forcibly participate in a TV game show where convicts, runners, must battle killers for their freedom. Just a little Very bit of walking good. in there. Just a little bit of walking in there, wasn't it? <laughs> only, only a smidge, though. Only yeah. a smidge. I think all, was... of my, all of my impressions have a little bit of Christopher walking in. <laughs> That was very good. Uh, well done, I, I, Gav. I have noticed that in all of my notes, uh, I've just I've keep on misspelling Richard Dawson as Richard Dawkins. Yes, <laughs> <So laughs> <I just, laughs> it makes it quite a different film. It makes it a very different film. Yeah. So, without further hesitation, Alex, would you please like to kick off proceedings? All right. I've uh, I've managed to never watch The Running Man, so I am I'm quite intrigued by this one. To be honest, I do feel like I'm coming into this with an absolute absolute blank slate. I have read the book uh, a while ago. I think it's a Richard Backman book, isn't it? It's a yep. short it story. Yeah, it wasn't King writing as himself. Yeah. It was Richard Backman, his pseudonym. Cool. Uh, so uh, I'm going to start off with Gav uh, as as defense, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Tell me why. Uh, tell me a little bit about Running Man. Is it the same as the, same as the book? Uh, no, there's, there's uh, a lot of differences, to be honest. Um, but those differences are for the better as i'm sure dave will agree thanks dave okay right um <laughs> he did this, he did agree, this actually. isn't a <laughs> smile of agreement <laughs> <laughs> so i'll just give you a very brief summary so in, in, in 2017 that's right uh, bold claim already made off the gate there uh, america is living in a total totalitarian police state and television, specifically the game show, is king. Arnie plays Ben Richards, a police helicopter pilot who refuses to gun down a group of protesters and is subsequently jailed for it. He breaks out of prison with two other prisoners and is captured after Maria Conchita Alonso's character Amber alerts the authorities. Ruthless game show host Damon Killian, played by real-life family feud host Richard Dawson, orders Richards to take part in his popular game show, The Running Man, where prisoners are given a chance to win their freedom if they successfully escape a gauntlet whilst having murderous stalkers on their tail. Richards, his two friends, and Amber now must run the gauntlet, try to stay alive, and fight to put a stop to this tyrannical madness once and for all. Now, I think this is, this is a bold statement, by the way, but I think this is the best film that we have put on trial so far, and I genuinely can't think of one bad thing to say about it. Sorry, it's the best, best film ever. <laughs> no, that, no. We, that we've put on trial, that we've put uh, on trial. 
God, balls to the wall on this one, Gav. I'm really excited about it. So have you got wow. anything you want to do to back up that statement at all? Or no. Would you like me to put it over today? <laughs> right, right, wow. You know, <laughs> wow, you're not going to give me a because at all there. Fantastic. Really, really interesting. Uh, let's let's see, see, see how you get on with this one, Gav. Dave. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how do I come back against that? Literally right? any evidence at all, and, and, and you'll be sort of ahead in, the, ahead in the race on this one. I have plenty. <laughs> For one, okay, with Gav's talking about it as an adaptation. It is adapted from the Richard Bachman, a.k.a. Stephen King book. It was mildly inspired by that book. The book was quite a decent thriller um, involving a guy like escaping in the real world. Um, he's, you know, he's got to evade killers and stuff and he avoids them for 30 days. He wins the grand prize. This is very different. You know, instead of them being like just regular people like hunting him and like giving the author, well, the, uh, the game show tips as to where he might be. This is just like, the the goofiest campus gladiators you're ever going to see who are basically like sent into this gauntlet. Like it says, like an arena is basically a disused part of the city that's been like fenced off, le- le- left to go derelict. And they just send these like oddball killers in after him. Each of them has their own gimmick or their own weapon. And so as an adaptation, Stephen King didn't care for it because it's not his story in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just, my problem with the plot is that I think they they took Stephen King's idea, which is pretty good. That's a pretty good dystopian vision of the future with a good little twist on how people rely on reality TV. You know, the idea is good, but it's King's idea from the book. They just uh, lifted it and they've done the the campus kind of goofiest sort of adaptation they possibly could. This smacks of the 80s. Now, I like the 80s, but you it do, didn't Dave, age say. well. <laughs> it doesn't mean the 80s have aged well. And that's the problem you've got with this one. Every piece of the set, every item of clothing people are wearing, this whole thing screams 1980s to you. And when you think that it's meant to be set in 2017, yes, they did believe the world would be this messed up by 2017. <laughs> um, and they were right. And they yeah, weren't far yeah. off. To be honest with you, there's an opening blurb which basically says at the start of the film, you know, like imagine the scrolling text from Star mm. Wars that basically says, oh yeah the dystopian governments have taken over the world and the population have run out of resources and food and the world's over it's like, actually they're not a million miles off at this point as <laughs> yeah, to where yeah, we yeah. are up to so i'll give them that one but it's all very trope laden and the only bit that really sets it apart like i say is the fact that it is so clearly set in the 80s or made in the 80s and tried to be futuristic this is the only thing that sets it apart from other sorts of dystopian futures where people's lives can be used for entertainment. It doesn't really bring much to the table and hasn't really maintained since. Um, yeah, so that's... Uh... Okay, so Gav, I'm sort of, you know, it's the Running Man, okay, maybe it's an adaptation and, you know, it doesn't have, we're not putting the Running Man, the book on trial, you know, we're putting the film on trial, that's fair enough. You know, goofy, campy gladiators and stuff like that, but why call it the Running Man? Like, it, it, does it sort of explore the ideas of reality TV at all? I know it's a fun yeah, yeah, film yeah. or something like that, but does it explore any part of that in the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And um, I think it, it does a bit. I haven't actually read the book myself, to be honest, um, but I know the general gist of it. I know the beginning and the end. And the reason I haven't read the book is because I, I, I always knew the ending. Could um, be asked for the middle bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, so this is more about, it turns it into a spectacle. Uh, it, it is more about the evolution of, of TV and the evolution of the game show. You know, we're in a, in a future where the game show is, is king. And it's almost like, going back into the past you know the gladiatorial fights where essentially people were thrown to the lions as a form of entertainment and this is the sort of updated version of that it's the future and it's a bit like you know a, a mix between um i don't know like i'm a celebrity get me out of here and pro wrestling you have these larger than life characters a bit like you know what, what was inspired from it was the tv show gladiators you know you had these really larger than life characters that people would root for every single week that would take on the contestants and that's what it is you know rather than just having a I don't know, just a guy. It's like, oh no, this guy has got his own sort of backstory. He's got his own abilities. This one can handle electricity. This one's got a motorbike and a chainsaw. You know, they're, they're their own characters. Um, and Dave said that, you know, it, it doesn't hold up. I think this film actually holds up really, really well. You know, I think a lot of the things they predicted there, especially with the sci-fi elements, are actually like being used. Like today, I think, you know, 30 years later, 
this is a really interesting look into the future. Your prisoners were wearing electronic tags, although you know they're not they're not around their ankles, they're around their necks. All of the appliances in Ben's brother's house are voice operated, like so many electric controlled things in our homes today. Even Ben buys flights on something that resembles the internet, you know, long before the internet was a thing. And there's also the depiction of fake news as well. Um, I think it's very apt. You know, although fake news uh, was nothing new at the time it was made, it has become more intertwined with television over the years. So it's very interesting that in this film, you know, the government has like an iron-fisted rule over the people. But when it comes to the revolt, when the people actually rise up and revolt against the system, it's the TV station that they overthrow, not the capital, because the TV and entertainment is more powerful. You know, I, I, the, the vision of the, the future state of television, you know, Dave was saying it's all campy and it's all 80s. It's, it's not too dissimilar to t TV today. It's all glitzy, glamorized, overproduced, um, which purports to offer its winners fame, money, and a better life. But they have to run a cruel gauntlet beforehand in front of an unforgiving studio audience. Like so, something like well, just like point, but like, you know, I was thinking more like the X Factor. You know, sure. you have you have those audition uh, stages <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. X Factor where people come up and they get booed and like you know told that they're idiots by Sam and Cowell, and then you have all that sort of glitzy, glamorous dancing and lights and music. And uh, it, it just it reminded me a lot of that, or something like I'm a Celebrity, um, maybe without the murder though. <laughs> um, but it's in this, it's all overseen by a charismatic but ruthless host. I, you know, I'll. Sam and Cowell or Donald Trump. I also think it's prescient as well that a film that predicted that the most popular and powerful man in America was an evil game show host. Yeah, yeah, 30 yeah. years later, <laughs> cool the that. US has won as its president. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I think it's it's a very, very good film. And, and it's it's odd because it doesn't take itself too seriously at all. You know, it's an 80s Arnie action film. You know what you're going to get? You know, you're going to get a lot of one-liners, explosions, and multiple people getting punched in the face. And it delivers the those things in spades. However, it also has this really weird sort of um, prescient feeling to it where it's warning you of a possible dystopian future full of oppression, fake news, and mass-marketed violence um, as entertainment. But it does it in like a really fun way, you know, condemning society for its bloodlust whilst also reveling in the very same feeling. Um, you know, it's like having its cake and eating it. It's brilliant. Dave, everyone's having cake. I've eaten the cake yep. and I've got more cake. I mean, uh -huh. do you know what? Gav's doing a good good job here. I'm, you know, you know, you said it was goofy, campy, gladiators, nateys. Well, you know, that does sound fun and it's prescient. You know, it's fun to look back on these films. I feel like actually, yeah, maybe 80s doesn't age well, but I could look back and be like, oh, this is what they thought the future would look like. And that sort of makes it entertaining to watch. Like, yeah, well, like my Deep worry Space is 1999, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> exactly. I love that show. Like, my, my, <laughs> like how does the tone, because it does sound like you've got slightly two different things going on here with the tone a little bit. You've got like this sort of like, sort of maybe slightly social commentary going on with these gimmicks and sort of overblown gladiators, like wolf power, but also Brave New World sort of thing going on a little bit here. Do you know what I mean? So, so where do we, where does the film mm -hmm. land on that? Well, yeah, I mean, Gav's made it sound like the best episode of Black Mirror you're ever going to see. And <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that it is not. <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's like the White Bear episode of Black Mirror, but, you know, done it's, on a, it's a, a not as well budget. written, though, is it? Let's be honest, That's what that episode needs. It needs a big actor who had a, a very thin grasp of the English language. <laughs> <laughs> and if I may, for a feature film, I don't think it had the same production values either. <laughs> No, with this one, it's. I think they stumbled over a couple of things that, you know, like if you look back at Nostradamus's prophecies, you can twist them and make them make sense. You know, if you look at a, like a psychic reading, there are bits of it you can kind of interpret. And it's like, yeah, there are bits here they may have stumbled over that they were right, are relevant today. You know, I said, I said the blurb is like, oh, you know, they're not far wrong if you've got a very pessimistic view of the world. Uh, so there are bits that, yeah, it's, it does feel like they were almost prophetic and and you know really did paint a good picture of how the world may be or may evolve but i don't think that was a necessarily out there prediction to make this was only the 1980s you know this did this isn't like metropolis 
from like the nineteen sure. thirties or something. Nineteen yeah, eighties, yeah. you still had you know these game shows that were that were veering towards the slightly cruel and the slightly exploitative. You know, this wasn't an unheard of thing. This wasn't an out there thing to see. Oh, the game show host who isn't as nice as everyone thinks he is. You know, Huey Green had been around for a while by then, <laughs> so it was uh, it was just one so of those he, things. Who, sorry, who's Huey Green? Was he a bit of a Opportunity Knox producer uh, and and host? And I'm not going to slag you agree. I inadvertently already have. <laughs> but it wasn't that out there a prediction. It's not as clever as Gav's making it seem. I think they just stumbled over a couple of things and the things that they got right they didn't stumble over were obviously going to happen. You know, it's like, you know, people with, like, like robots. People robots have been in sci-fi since like the 50s or 60s. We're still not there yet. They probably thought we'd have fully working robots, you know, carrying out menial tasks for us by the 1990s. It's like, we're still not there yet. You know, it's, uh, we know it's coming. We just don't know when. But it's a prediction that isn't too far out. You know, you can see it's coming. You don't have to be Nostradamus to get it right. Sure. And I think when it comes to, have we talked about direction yet? Or are we going to go no. into that? No, no, by all means, please do talk about direction, Dave. Direction, I think, lets it down. The director's Paul Michael Glazer, um, Starsky from Starsky and Hutch. Um, what, this the is actual only, actor. Starsky. The actual actor, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is only, <laughs> <Okay>. the second, <laughs> only the second directorial project he'd, he'd been given. What was his first? Um, his first was, or... <laughs> <laughs> it may as well be. No, it was a feature film, to be fair to him. It was a fe- I forget what it was called, but it was a feature film. Um, he and Schwarzenegger didn't get along because Paul Michael Glazer knew TV and he basically tried to make this film like he was doing one big TV special, one big TV episode. And I think that works all right in the studio, you know, in the scenes you got with Richard Dawson because it's like he knows TV. This is meant to be a TV show. He gets that bit right. But the action sequences and other, which and this is an action film and other parts of the filmmaking just kind of fall short. And I don't think he gets the best out of the cast. We'll go more into that later. But I feel as a director, he wasn't quite ready yet. And I think he's got, he might have talent later down the line, you know, but he was still um, learning his craft. And for this kind of budget, for this sort of blockbuster, Schwarzenegger didn't approve of him being appointed director. And I think you can see why. So I think Schwarzenegger knew what he was talking about. Paul Michael Glazer was just not ready for film at this point. So I feel direction is really lacking. So it's just specifically, Dave, about the action. You know, you mentioned the action sequences, and obviously mm-hmm. this is an action film. So what was lacking in the action department? I think because he came from a TV background, there's no buildup of suspense. Like Gav says, the stalkers are released to follow the contestants and what have you. They find them within two minutes. You know, literally like two minutes will pass from like, you see seeing Jim Brown in the dressing room who plays Fireball, who's one of the 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 stalkers. Like he gets great. called up, Fireball the wardrobe, Fireball the wardrobe. And then two minutes later, he's not only in the arena, but he's found the people he was meant to be stalking. And then a couple of minutes after that, he's killed. Right. That okay. was that's pretty much it. There's all this buildup um for these like for these gladiatorial-esque stalkers that are meant to be like minor well, actually no quite big celebrities that the public get behind and support and they got banners and they send them fan mail and they they pick their favorites and they, they bet on them. And ultimately they're a bit of a letdown. They enter the arena, they find the people in seconds, there's no suspense, there's a bit of a fight with Arnie. Arnie ultimately wins, the stalker is killed or uh, in dispensed of in one way or another. And there's no build-up to it. And then the action sequences themselves are kind of very basic. I think because he's doing it so chop and change, he's just trying to get through it and get to the next stage like he's got a TV slot to fill. Right. Yeah, I think yeah. he's thinking, he's condensing everything a little too much. He's not allowing any chance to build character, to build suspense, do a decent action sequence. I think this, the fight choreography was actually quite good in this. you know. And it is 1980s, so CGI was really out. It's all stunt work which I approve of. And I thought, you know, there could have been some real good moments there because they got some good gimmicks to these fights. But ultimately, the director wasn't in the right place or in the right, had the right experience to bring out and make this all that it could have been. Well, Gav, you heard it. Paul Michael Gaze has spaffed it. <laughs> he, he didn't spaff it at all. I, I actually think it was a, it was a good call uh, for Paul Michael Glazer because he had had a lot of experience in TV. And at the end of the day, this the whole thing is a TV show. Like um, Dave made a few comments there about um, oh, you know, the stalkers being able to find the contestants really quickly, and there's no building up of tension. Well, you know, the the whole thing is that um, they're watched 
throughout. You know, the producers, the audience, they know exactly where they are each time. It's like the Crystal Maze, you know, which section that they're up to. And, this, you know, the stalkers finding them, that's fine. The whole thing is about the battles. It's essentially just like, as I said earlier, you know, the sort of gladiatorial battles. It's not like they've got to run a gauntlet or they're in a maze or whatever. It's just sort of like, yeah, here's the fight. Um, Paul Michael Glazer, um, I, I, he was very integral in the casting process. He picked um, Richard Dawson as the host. And I think, you know, we're going to go into casting characters in more detail later on, but I just think this is the perfect choice. And I think that, like, worked really well because you've got somebody who's got a, a real rich history of TV work in Paul Michael Glazer and then also an experienced TV game show host working together to create this sort of this, this aesthetic of you know what the running man is um i don't think that the action was too chop and change i think that the action was pretty good to be honest um i i would i know i said earlier that i can't think of one thing to criticize it but i think one criticism that i have with it is that um that it's it's a it's a format that repeats uh, it's sort of like a stalker goes in, has a fight with Arnold Schwarzenegger, loses, and then the next thing happens, and then it happens again, right? But the thing is, is that like although it's repetitive, it is interesting every time they do it. There's a different twist on it. There's a different character. There's a different uh, gimmick. There's, it's a different setting. There's a different action sequence. You know, there's, it's not just like the same punch, punch, stab, you're dead. It, it's something different each time. Um, I think that the suspense does build up. The whole thing is like they're. Trying trying to um they realize that they're, they're in this old abandoned part of the city as dave said earlier and one of um, the whole thing is about a revolution you know trying to bring down this evil corporation but they can never find out where the satellite relay is so where the their essential satellite feed is and um, where is it coming from because they want to hack into it to, to broadcast their own tv essentially and they realize that it's their in the grounds and um, so when they went once they realized that it's a case of like trying to get that information out to the the resistance um and but you know they're restricted from doing that because all the stalkers are coming down and then you keep on getting drip fed all this information as well we're told right at the very beginning and a couple of times throughout that there's been previous winners to the running man there's been three winners in the past and they're you know living the life of riley now they're on a desert island somewhere with a mojito and a woman draped on their arm and you know living the life of luxury but later on we actually find that those three contestants they've been killed nobody gets out of this alive so that's adding more tension to it it's like a case of well yeah we can't actually walk away from this. There's a bit later on where Richard Dawson, uh, Killian, sorry, he knows that Ben Richards is doing a really good job. He's already killed two of the stalkers and he's like, oh, if we send in any more, this guy looks like he could actually win it. So he has a private phone conversation with him, not recorded on the TV, and he offers him a job. He says, listen, um, I'm going to give you a job. You know, like, do you want to come on board as one of the stalkers? Because he knows his number's up. And then um, when Amber says to Ben, why didn't you take that off? And he's like, do you honestly think that they're going to let us get out of this alive? You know, this is their, you know, prize turkey. This, this is, you know, so that's that's a phrase, isn't it? Prize turkey. This no, is, right. <laughs> yeah, this, you know, you know um, this is a format that, that, that they've come up with. Uh, this the most popular show on TV. Goose with the golden egg, sorry. That's it, Goose with the golden egg. This is their <laughs> goose and, and their golden egg. The, the goose has got the golden egg in it, right? And um, and the turkey. Where's the turkey? Sorry, the tur- turkey's eating the goose. <laughs> it was like that sort of like, to catch a spider thing, you know. The Three turkey's eating roast. the goose with the gold. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and uh, so they, they know that the the only way they can get out of it is to uh, you fight with the resistance to um, to topple the evil game show empire. Uh, so there is tension there throughout. And when the stalkers do arrive, as Dave said, the action sequences are really well filmed. It's all traditional stunt work. It's all special effects. There's nothing right, CGI yeah. about. Well, there's a couple of shit bits with a, you know, fake electricity, like, you know, and like Ghostbusters yeah, yeah. and those type it's of films. It's the 80s, that, yeah. you, can, you can forgive it. But a lot of it is practical effects and it looks really good. It is aged really well as well. You know, you're watching these things and you're like, holy shit, is that really Jim Brown with a flamethrower? Yes, it is. You know, it's, it's, some of this is like really, you really good. had me at Jim Brown, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and and I, I like that. That um, As I said before, Paul Michael Glazer, he knows about TV. He knows about TV action as well. He knows that you need to make the most amount of things with the short amount of time that you've got. And that's what I think he does really well. You know, he knows that like each stalker is only going to have a limited amount of time and he makes the best of it with the little time that he's got. All right, Dave. 
Yeah, the only points of it, I really want to go into plot points. I'll leave Paul Michael Glazer alone know, now. Like, yeah, leave Paul Michael Glazer. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave him done. be. He's but been it, through enough. It, it, it's like plot points, but if you could also just talk about how maybe it wraps up at the end, that would be quite, before we move on to cast, that would be Um, It wraps up at the end, spoiler alert, it wraps up at the end with the Resistance storming the TV studio, um, shooting the guards, Schwarzenegger kills Killian, he smiles at the girl, the film ends. Oh, so that's that's pretty much the ending. Oh, and uh, John Parr music plays. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, and, I do uh, like John Parr, though. <laughs> <laughs> the resistance leader is Mick Fleetwood for some reason. Yeah, I was going to go into that. Yeah. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about the resistance element of this because it's yeah. obviously quite an important part. The dystopian future needs a resistance, right? We need hope. So he breaks out of prison at the start of the film, Arnold Schwarzenegger, with his mates. They go see Mick Fleetwood, who was playing a character called Mick who laments the fact that his songs have been taken by the government. Is it actually Mick Fleetwood playing himself? Yeah. <laughs> does he, there, does there he know a, he's being theory. filmed? <laughs> does he know he's theory. being filmed? Did they just like... <laughs> did they do like... A, what was that Russian film about where a guy doesn't want to tell his grandmother that Stalin's died? Oh, did yeah. do that yeah, with yeah, Mick yeah. Fleetwood and make him believe <laughs> that the apocalypse had happened and this was real? <laughs> I mean, he'd probably taken so much stuff that he actually yeah. thought it was real. <laughs> Not much it's convincing needed, I don't think, we make, depend, <laughs> depending on where his head was at. at the time. It's true, it's true. But they go see Mick Fleetwood, right? And he removes the, the explosive collars. Um, so they have a chat with him. He's quite easy to find for a resistance leader, it turns out. Um, but then later on, they're recaptured, okay? And they're put in the game, they go through the game. Uh, and then for some reason, the resistance are in the arena, this part of the city that was like fenced off. Um, and one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's mates like passes the information on, uh, oh, this is where they'll be. And it's like, they're in the arena? They've done a really poor job of finding this relay that was also in the arena. So it's just like, I don't even know how they find them. It's just kind of glossed over. It's just like, we need them to meet up with the resistance. Let's just have them meet up with the resistance. You know, they're in the arena. They're in one of the buildings there. There's Mick Fleetwood again. He's moved house. And now he's in the arena of the, of the blood sport that America's hooked on. It's like great place to hide, you know, where there's cameras frigging everywhere. In plain sight. <laughs> in, in plain sight, yeah, I suppose. But it, it just doesn't make sense. It's it's a gaping plot hole in this. And then, you know, they just storm the studio like that. You know, within minutes, they're in the control room, you know, in the production sort of, they, they might like, be thinking later, like, maybe we should have done that. I think they just ten, try, ten yeah, they just ago. tried to wrap it up quick. I think <laughs> at this point, no, okay. I think I think a lot of effort was put into the journey, but I think, like I say, Paul Michael Glazer, it's I get the impression he felt like he had uh, a window that he had to fill, and he couldn't go past it, otherwise he's going to get fined. Sure. And obviously that's not true with a movie. And I think they just this ending feels so rushed, and yet the same, no, so nonsensical. You know, Dynamo, who Alex mentioned, who's one of the, I've got to say, one of the campiest gladiators they've got. Dynamo is dressed like a Greek warrior. He's a six-foot-six guy, dressed like a Greek warrior, with LEDs all over his armor and helmet, who drives this like armored car, shoots lightning out of his hands, and sings opera. Dave, what side are you on, mate? Like, <laughs> what part of that do I not want to see? Do you know what I mean? Like that. Literally, you kept saying things, and it just kept getting better and well, better. Oh, and I better. know, I know. He wears a nappy as well. It looks like. <laughs> but at the end, he was like uh, wounded by Schwarzenegger in the arena. He doesn't kill him. He's like, I'm not going to kill a helpless human being. You take your blood sport and cram it. Um, but then Dynamo comes back and attacks the leading lady of the film, um, and he gets wet. The sprinkler system goes off, and he gets electrocuted to death by his own suit. And it's like, is that not a massive flaw? In so far, how could you how could you expect to fight in an arena, but you can't go near water? You know, that's a what if they just spat on him when he was? Out there? <laughs> that would have been a dramatic death. Just it would have been. It's just, it just feels like very ill thought out. Everything feels sure. very forced together and mishmashed and they just gloss over too many points okay Gav I can see you want to come back but it has to be brief because I want to I want to finish story I've got a hell of a lot on story now and then I want to go into cast please so very quick okay um it's it's ironic that all of the stalkers uh, basically die at the hands of their own sort of um talents or you know their their own uh, gimmicks or whatever so he dies from electrocution Jim Brown dies 
through the gas explosion, you know, buzzsaw, it was wheel to chainsaw, he dies with his chainsaw. You know, it's all sort of like ironic fates. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character using those weapons against the people. You know, that, that, that's why it's good. Using this as much as, using exactly. his head as much as his guns. Exactly, he's got the brawns and he's got the brains. He's the, whole, he's the total package, man. That's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right, can we move on? Can we move on? Now we're on Arnold Schwarzenegger. Can we move on to cast? Gav, tell me about the cast. Um, you, I know you mentioned a few times, you know, it does sound Mick Fleetwood, you know. <laughs> how does that, how the hell does that work out? Like, but the thing is, is that don't you want to see a film where Mick Fleetwood plays well, a distant of Mick Fleetwood? I don't know, to be honest. Like, it, it's one of those things that might sound like a fantastic idea until it's actually in front of you on the screen and then you realise how awful it is. Yeah, much as an opera singing electronic Greek warrior. No, no, I'm still, I'm still pretty much in. Yes, I want to see that. Like, I'm sorry, Dave. You see it. (laughs) So, like, on that point, obviously, star of the show here, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's on top form. Um, Although the the original character Ben Richards in the novel was somebody who, who was essentially the opposite of Arnold Schwarzenegger in every way. I think having Arnie and his star power at the time take the lead here was a much wiser decision. This is an example of when a script and an actor are a perfect fit. You know, like, it's it's sort of, it's a film that needed somebody like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, when you read um, everything that Dave's just said about the sort of, like, the campy gladiatorial battles, you know, like the whole glitzy glamour of the television, it needed somebody like Arnie, you know, to just make it, yeah, you know what? This is a ridiculous concept and we're going to go fucking full pelt at this. Let's get Arnold Schwarzenegger in. You know, his hulking form, monotone delivery, his cheesy one-liners, just the perfect foil for this dystopian sci-fi actioner. And, you know, he's reveling in it. This is the height of his fame and he does a great job. Well, just just before we go on to the rest of them, can we just, I'd like to just stick to Arnie just for the moment because he does seem like he's the big draw. So we'll go on to Richard Dawson later. But uh, Dave, you know, my question about Arnie, the thing that's sort of poking into my head is, you know, yeah, it sounds like he could do the goofy Greek god lightning trucks. Yeah, perfect. What about this other part? You know, what about this other part to The Running Man, which is this sort of, you know, slightly more social, you know, reality TV commentary side? How does he how does he match up with that? Is he was he is he the perfect choice for this role? Perfect foil for this. The last thing this film needed was Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Stephen King lamented his casting in the leading role, and you can see why it doesn't work. I think there is a real dystopian theme here, and a couple of little nuggets that they could have run with that could have made this film stand out, even in the present age, where we can look back and think, God, why didn't we Why didn't we listen to the warning that was Running Man? Um, but unfortunately, it doesn't take itself seriously enough. I think, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's trying to have fun with itself. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but I think it could have, if, to get those dystopian elements across, I think it could have taken itself a little bit more seriously, cut back on a bit on some of the cheesy one-liners and cast a more believable leading man. I think what we, this film needed was more of an everyman, more like the, uh, the Ben Richards of the novel. Because the problem is once you've cast Arnold Schwarzenegger, who looks like a man mountain, a machine that can work his way through anything, the gladiators, these these stalkers that are meant to inspire terror and be like this big threat, they don't, they're not imposing. They're not intimidating anymore. You know, you see Jim Brown in the dressing room, and you know, if, if the average guy came up against Jim Brown in his prime, you'd think you're in trouble, pal. That's a big guy, he's a big unit, he's got a flamethrower. Whereas with this, you just kind of sat there thinking, Arnie can take him. And Arnie can take him. With Buzzsaw, the same thing. You know, and Dynamo, you know, they're both like well over six feet tall. They're big guys. You're still thinking, well, Arnie's bigger. Arnie can take you down as well. And I think that's the problem with the casting of Arnie. One, he's not, he's a great film star. He's a huge film star, but he's not necessarily a great actor. That's not to say he's a bad actor. I just don't think he's a great actor. I think he's just kind of like level play, level playing field. When it comes to acting, this is going to haunt me later in the month, the, isn't it? The, We've got a whole <laughs> month of Schwarzenegger films the, coming up. The, that statement, Dave, would be literally no, not controversial if you were not talking to Gav. Do you know what I mean? Mo- <laughs> nearly ninety-nine point nine percent of the world sort of just assumes that Arnold Schwarzenegger isn't as, like up there with Olivier. Yeah, do you know I, what I mean? like, as I said that last sentence, Gav's the only one. So you don't need screen. to convince me on this. Do you know what I mean? Like, as I said my last sentence, my eyes are on Gav's screen, not the judge. <laughs> I was technically speaking, I, my eyes are on Gav. Schwarzenegger, he's not a great actor and this isn't really like I said it's it's all cheesy one-liners and it's it's monotone delivery and I think there could have been something special here. there could have been something that really hit home insofar as the dystopia that Gav was trying to uh, tell you was here but it's just the film could have taken itself a little bit more seriously cast 
actors. And I use the plural there because Schwarzenegger's not the only problem with this film. It should have just gone for actors so they could get performances. So we could actually believe the dystopian future and believe that it's bad and that it's not fun and campy and entertainment. Okay. I mean, you know, Dave's saying some fairly salient points there. I'd also say a big one there for me was that like casting Arnold Schwarzenegger kills your threat in the film, which is obviously a big part of the film is him being chased. He is the running man. And if, you know, if you're wondering why is he running, then that's a bit of an issue in the film, isn't it? Um, and also then maybe if we finish Arnie and come on to Nick Fleetwood, because, you know, I do want to do do hear about him. <laughs> on, I, you know, I would, I would, I've got a massive gripe with what Dave's saying there, because essentially you're just putting into question every single Arnold Schwarzenegger film. You're like, well, what's the point in watching it? You know, like, well, yeah, the Predator's bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger, but, you know, he could take it. The thing is, is that, like, he's outgunned and he's outmanned and he's outmatched you know, he's literally got nothing apart from his little sort of lycra onesie. You know, Jim Brown's I was got a fucking. Need to burst into song there. And... <laughs> it's outgunned, outmanned, outgunned, outplanned. Like Jim Brown's got a fucking flamethrower. You know what I mean? He doesn't even have to be within ten feet of Arnold Schwarzenegger without making him into toast. You know, like the, the whole thing is that like it could have been at anybody. You know, I understand what Dave was saying about the everyman, but the thing is, is that. Arnold Schwarzenegger was like the biggest box office, not just box office star, but the biggest movie star in the world at that point, you know, late 80s. And this film, I think, needs them. I think if you didn't have Arnold Schwarzenegger in this film, it easily could have become like a straight-to-DVD thing. Could have been like, you know, like, oh, if we just get, you know, somebody else in a lesser star. But because Arnold Schwarzenegger came into it, um, I think that really kind of rises the stock of the film. And then because of that, you get more people interested, you get more money pumped into it, you get better performances from the rest of the cast because they're like, oh, wow, if Arnold Schwarzenegger can appear in this, then, you know, I'm going to appear in it and, you know, I'm going to deliver my best. I, I just think that, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger... Uh, sorry, makes... Arnold, so Arnold Schwarzenegger brings out the best in the rest of the actors. Arnold Schwarzenegger brings out the best in everyone, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you just sneaked in a couple of weird points with some very good ones right at the end there, Gavos. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it wasn't box office gold, that it wasn't a clever marketing decision to get Schwarzenegger. He was one of the biggest box office stars. I'm just saying in hindsight, now the box office takings aren't on the cards. Maybe for the longevity of the film or you know, looking at the film from uh, a future perspective, they could have done better. I, I I think that um, it's actually got better the longer it's got. I was you know reading a, a, an article about how how, yeah, how prescient it, it was essentially and how relevant it is today, like thirty years on. And um, it's one of those things I think that has appreciated more uh, over time. And you, you you mentioned before about not concentrating much about the dystopian future aspect of it i think it's a secondary point you know at the end of the day people aren't going to watch this because they want to be like oh i really want to hear what paul michael glazer and Stephen e d'souza uh, think that the future is going to look like they they're tuning in because they you know what i want to see arnold schwarzenegger defeat the odds beat the bad guys save the world that's what they want you know the dystopian future bits it's like robocop you know what i mean people want to see robocop smash ed 209 they don't want to see oh actually i want more about those those say, zany futuristic tv programs that they're talking about the whole dystopian future thing is a secondary point fantastic okay cool let's hear let's hear a little bit less on arnie now and let's hear a little bit about mick fleetwood, <laughs> mick fleetwood to be honest we've got to start talking about mick fleetwood dave you know the, yeah. the, the supporting cast in general but yeah do focus on mick fleetwood a bit because I, I uh, i'll do my bit working. i'll do my bit like I said, when I was talking about Arnie, they could have done with casting more actors in acting roles. And I feel they were kind of blindsided when it came to casting, say, the stalkers, because Arnie, like I mentioned before, is, you know, this it, it tests believability that he's threatened by anyone. They had to go for wrestlers. They had to go for, you know, Jim Brown, former uh, uh, NFL player. They didn't really go for people that could deliver good performance. They're just there to look intimidating on screen. Jim Brown is probably the best actor of the lot. He actually can act, but he's given such little screen time to work with. He's barely in the film. You know, they spend more time on Buzzsaw and Dynamo than him. I think Sub-Zero gets less screen time as well, but it's like then Schwarzenegger's old friend Jesse Ventura shows up, who again was another wrestler before he, he tried his hand at acting. The people aren't trained. You know, the stalkers are not, actors they're just there to look intimidating and they've got to they kind of you're painted into a corner 
you've got to cast these guys based on their look and not their ability because they're up against Schwarzenegger. And I think they really could have thought outside the box when it came to casting. I mean, Mick Fleetwood as well as a musician who's been cast and he acts as most musicians can, you know, not very well. Richard Dawson, I will grant. I mean, but Richard Dawson was an actor before he went into hosting TV shows. Um, And this is actually, yeah, this is perfect for him. I mean, he hosted Family Feud for I don't know how many decades in America. A cheesy game show host is what he was. It's it's not a stretch for him to play. Um, and I think the rest of the cast, you know, are pretty much just underused. There's no one else there. There's no one here. I'd say Dawson is the only one that delivers a, a credible performance. Everyone else, even those that maybe had the acting talent to do it, are just woefully underused. I mean, I love Yafakoto, the late Yafakoto who passed away uh, last oh, month. Yeah. yeah, he's in it. He's one of the mates of Arnold Schwarzenegger, which you'd think, great. And then he's barely in it. He gets a hand, He gets less than ten lines, I think. You know, he's just there as, as ultimately as cannon fodder. Um, and I thought that was a real shame because he genuinely was such a talented actor. Um, it's just it's it's a film of many opportunities, uh, and very few of them are realised. And I think when it came to the casting, they really did paint themselves into a corner. Once they'd cast Schwarzenegger, that kind of dictated the rest of the cast they were going to get, and not necessarily for the better. Right, I, I'm all over the shop with this. You guys have done, both of you have done hell of a job on this. Can I have some just final points, please, just before we wrap this up? So can I just come back on what Dave said? Sure, about the, yeah, the yeah. yeah he should, in fairness, he should. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so, no, no, just just to say that I don't think that's a bad thing at all. You know, like they, they cast these really intimidating guys to play the, the bad guys. And Dave arguing that, oh, we don't get enough screen time. That's like saying, oh, you know what? I wanted more focus on our job and less on Goldfinger. You know, it's just, they, these are the henchmen. These are the ones that get into the battle. The real villain of the piece is... Richard Dawson's character, um, Killian, you know, and we get a lot of time with Killian, you know, see how he operates behind the scenes. You know, he's this ruthless, bitter egotist that I mentioned before. Um, and he does it absolutely perfectly. He's the one pulling the strings. He's the one that sends these big hulking brutes out to go and fight Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just because we don't get like a lot of time getting to know who they are, doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad film. This is the real villain. These are the sort of the pawns in, in, his, in his game of chess that, he's, that he's, um, he thinks are, are very disposable and if you're going to have these pawns what better way to have them played by actors like Jim Brown and you know you, you mentioned Yaffa Koto yeah you know it's a small role Yaffa Koto though I mean what a fucking actor to have in it he's the, one of the big moments of pathos and emotion in this you know he's a guy that is is imprisoned wrongfully he's a political prisoner he escapes he wants to be part of the resistance Ben he doesn't want to be. He's like, fuck that, no. And then later on, when they're brought into the same running man game, you know, he saves uh, Ben. He throws himself in, in, in front of the chainsaw to save Ben. And then Ben realizes, you know what? It's not just about me. It's about the bigger picture. And who, who better to deliver a performance like that than Yaffa Koto? And uh, yeah, Mick Fleetwood, you know, he's in it. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Mick, he's Mick, he, he is in it. I agree with the defense. <laughs> he's in it. I mean, he's all right. You know what I mean? It's like... Uh, yeah, Mick Fleetwood. Yeah, yeah. it's... Yeah. It, it's not bad, but it, it's... It, you know, it's, it's is just, he conscious? Because that... I, I yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. That was pretty good Arguably. for Mick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, guys. I would like some... I would like some wrapping up statements, please. Because, uh, yeah, it is all to play for as well. So, no pressure. Dave, I'm going to let you go first on this one. Okay, so the adaptation of a Stephen King book that doesn't adapt very much of the Stephen King book. It just takes uh, the element of it, the basic premise, and it doesn't do it particularly well. It's overproduced, it's kitschy, it's camp, and it just detracts from the dystopian future that they could have had. These prophetic messages that maybe they could have hit upon a glimmer of something there, it's all diluted and it goes missing amongst cheesy one-liners and, and you know, 80s dance routines and pyrotechnics and, and you know, CGI lightning. It all gets lost in the naffness of the film and i think if they take themselves a little bit more seriously maybe got a director who's a little more experienced who then could influence the casting decisions this could have been onto something this could have been like you know the precursor to black mirror this really could have shown a harrowing view of the future in in a hollywoodized format but instead we're just left with an arnold schwarzenegger action film and and not one of his better ones at that ouch gav uh, whatever Dave said, it's all bollocks. Um, oh, right. 
Brilliant. I'm ready for a quiz. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, 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 no I've, more. I've got one of written out here. I've tried to include all the um, running man bad guys. Here we go. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the 80s action dynamo, is at the height of his box office stardom here. What may well have been a sub-zero straight-to-video release has turned into a fireball at the inclu- with the inclusion of Arnie and leaning into the whole violent madness. I had the Captain Freedom to watch any film that I wanted. <laughs> but that's I heard just, the buzz. That's just saying his name. Sh- yeah. <laughs> Is there a gladiator called Shoehorn? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I heard the buzz, saw the film for myself. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. So towards your Netflix account, you should go running, man. Regret it. <laughs> damn, damn. I didn't listen to any of your points, but you, you made up a lot of ground on that one. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Fair play. Um, yeah, I'm. 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 All, I'm. I've, I've. I've got to really think about this one. Dave, you got a quiz, haven't you? I do. I do have a quiz. Um, yeah, I wonder what they do this on, and then it was just it was staring me right in the face. It was it was an obvious decision. This is a quiz on game shows in film. And I've had to take some liberties with the idea of what a game show in film is. Sure. But you'll see. You'll see as we go through. Okay. So uh, this is open to, to buzzers. Um, I'll, I'll let you both answer as well, though. So you try and write, there's only two of you. So I don't see the point of buzzers, really. But <laughs> Question number one. Okay. 1994 film quiz show depicts a true story of a university academic who takes part in a rigged radio game show in the 1950s. Ray Fiennes plays the academic, but which Coen Brothers staple stars as his defeated opponent John Goodman I'll give you I can give you options A, B, C if you want you want the options John Tatero yeah. you've, you've named two of the <laughs> options so far <laughs> <laughs> I'll have the other one uh, Jeff Bridges uh, no he's not in this state George Clooney John Turturro or John Goodman cast I'm your go, votes now I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go John John, John, John Turturro, Turturro. You got to go and, that's a point for both of you. It is John Tatura. <laughs> Question number two. While not exactly a game show, Hunger Games <laughs> follows the dystopian post-apocalyptic survival vibe with a televised show where kids from the nation's various districts slaughter each other in a battle royale type event for the entertainment of the capital. Sounds familiar, right? <laughs> Name one of the actors who plays the game's MCs slash commentators. Elizabeth Banks. No, no, MC. she's like the she... trainer. Oh, um, uh, Stanley yeah. Tucci is one. That's a point for Alex. Oh. I'll let you have a point if you can name the other one, Gav. Uh, yeah, it's um, what's his name from American Beauty? It's not. Oh, is it not? Oh, uh, I don't know then. Unless I've missed something in American Beauty, it's been a while. Uh, Toby Jones. Right, uh, no, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really missed something in American Beauty. <laughs> Wasn't he yeah. in the bath? Was he was <laughs> with all the rose petals. <laughs> Question number three. Starter for 10 shows university students competing on University Challenge in the 80s. Which MCU cin- uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe actor plays the captain of Bristol University's team? Uh, James yes. McAvoy. It's not James McAvoy. Oh, shit, the other one. Yeah, the other oh, one. Oh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Patrick Stewart. It, it is. <laughs> That's a point to Gav. It is Benedict Cumberbatch. Captain of the team is Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, sorry. Uh, question number four. National Lampoon's European vacation starts with the Griswolds winning a trip to Europe on a game show. What farm animal do they dress up as on that game show? Bam. Yes, Alex. Chickens. No. Is it cows? No. Pigs? They are dressed up as Horses. little pigs. Oh, he was just, he's naming farmyard animals. That's what you should have done. <laughs> it's, the, the show is called Pig in a Poke, and they are all dressed as cuddly pigs. Uh, it's it's trippy if you watch that scene and have no context for it. So I've got to the point now where just the actual looking at Chevy Chase's face makes me feel not comedy, just rage. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I've gone... Maybe right. if he's in a pig costume, it might dilute I'll it slightly it. or I'll distract at least. I can't wait for Chevy Chase month. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question number five. The plot of Morats hinges on a dating game show being filmed in the local mall. Which celebrity gives Jason Lee advice on romance? Bam. Gav. Stanley. It is Stanley. That's another well one, Gav. Gav. Very well done. I had options for that one as well. 
One of them was William Shatner. One of them was David Copperfield. And I feel like I've wasted oh. my time thinking up a random option. <laughs> <laughs> really fun um, cameo. You know, you know Stanley is famous for his cameos in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was the last one that he actually filmed was Captain Marvel. You know, which is set in 1995, and he's on the bus and he's reading the script for More Rats. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite a good link. It is good. Yeah. Uh, question number six: Charlie Kaufman's Confessions of a Dangerous Mind tells the story of a game show host turned CIA assassin. Uh, based on the gong show host Chuck Barris's autobiography. Which podcast favorite plays Chuck Barris? Bam. Uh, Alex's wet dream, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. <laughs> it is Sam Rockwell. <laughs> I was thinking you'd get that one, Alex. I was thinking Sam Rockwell right in yeah. your alley. Or you want him to be anyway, I don't know. <laughs> Charlie Kaufman and Sam Rockwell. I can't believe yeah. I haven't watched that film yet. I can't believe you haven't watched it. I know. Question number seven. Quiz show, What Do Kids Know? Was a central part of which 1999 Paul Thomas Anderson film? Bam! Oh shit, Magnolia. It is Magnolia. That's a point. Oh, yes. You're bringing it back. <laughs> <laughs> Question number eight. In Slumdog Millionaire, a young Jamal runs to get the autograph of Amitabh Bachchan, one of the biggest stars of Indian cinema and the host of the original Indian series of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Although considered for the part of the host in Slumdog, why did he turn it down? Is it A? He wasn't confident enough in his English. B, he made a career in Bollywood playing heroes and didn't want to taint his image by playing the villainous TV host. Or C, he hated hosting the show and didn't want anything more to do with it. Uh, uh, B. Yeah, I reckon B as well. That's a point for both of you. It was. <laughs> he is a established hero. Being typecast is no bad thing. <laughs> and he didn't want to play a villain. Question number nine. In the Death Race franchise... What classic horror character's name is given as a nickname to various competitors, as played by David Carradine, Jason Statham, and Luke Goss throughout the series? Bam. Gab. Frankenstein. It is Frankenstein. That's another point for Gab. I'm running away with it. I'd like to say you could catch him up at this point, Alex, but there's one question left. <laughs> well, give me, give, make it a big one. Make it 100 okay. points. It's, yeah, it's a 100 point now. It's a 100 point. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Um, the pitch for which TV show Contain the phrase, we're doing exactly this, except the murdering part. And I'll give you a clue. It's been mentioned earlier tonight. Oh, um, is I'm a it I'm a celebrity? Oh, no, no. The, the X Factor. No. We're doing this, as in we're doing the runner man. We're doing University exactly Challenge. this. <laughs> we're doing exactly this, except the murdering part. That it's was a genuine castle. line. From the pitch of which TV for the pitch where it's TV series. Yeah, Takeshi's Castle. That's it's what, that's not. I was thinking you get it, Gav. It's Crystal Gladiators. Oh, Gladiators. Oh, yes. After having shown them clips of the running man, the producer said, We're doing exactly this, except for the murdering part. And that became Gladiators. <laughs> I, feel, I really feel like they should um, bring that back. Uh, an they interesting. Tried. They tried. Interesting tidbit um, Rosanna's, my wife's mum, taught the wolf Spanish. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, Ro to... just yeah. No, he's, he said he's 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 pretty. He's getting pretty good by the end there. Yeah, he's up to intermediate level. Yeah, but apparently, Ro just came back from school once, and Wolf was just in a kitchen, <laughs> <laughs> you know, doing uh, doing Spanish verbs. At least it's one of the good gladiators, and not yeah. one of the ones no one remembers. Everyone exactly, remembers. Wolf Power. <laughs> um, thanks very much. That was good. Uh, I know people. We we often say this, but this has been absurdly hard you both did very good jobs um I'll, I'll give you i'll give you a run through some of the points uh, i was a bit disappointed that it wasn't a proper adaptation of the Stephen king i don't see why it wasn't i feel like you could have done that it's weird that they just like called it the running man and it doesn't sound i don't know it doesn't sound like it had an awful lot to do with it but it did sound like a good setup i mean i'll be honest dave when dave was t- talking through some of it being goofy campy gladiators with all the gimmicks and it's been in the 80s and stuff like that that sort of uh, sold me a little bit this um dynamo did a lot of legwork in this for making me <laughs> like for, for for putting it nearer the hit list like you know what is it greek god in a lightning truck that fires I, it just sounds sounds it sounds like a lot of fun it made me want to watch it um i thought it was interesting it was quite a lot of prescient i think you know even though it isn't a good adaptation I think the idea that it's oppressing and it's about reality TV, which is quite a big part of our culture these days, that would be fascinating to go back and have a look at it. 
But Dave did a very good job, I think, of telling me that um was it sorry, was it Michael Glazer? What is it? Paul Michael Glazer? Yeah. Paul Michael Glazer. Yeah, it didn't sound like he's really got the chops for the direct for the direction on this one. And that a career in TV sort of didn't really set up set him up to to really pull off a feature film. So I did, you know, and, and Gav sort of said, Yeah, the action was good. It was repetitive in bits. But you know, the practical action, you both agreed that the practical action w- was going on. You know, I, I do agree. It does sound like the, the story is slightly nonsensical, but you know, it does have Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. And it did does seem like in a way they did sort of go full sort of like they just went for it a bit with the Arnie stuff. Um, right. So, so, so my, my, my problem with the film is it doesn't seem to be a fun action romp because you've got Arnie, uh, Arnie in it. Yeah. And that's all cool. But then you've got this other stuff, like all the sort of uh, dystopian stuff, which then takes away from the fun action romp. And you've got this problem with the adaptation and, uh, you know, you've got Arnie sort of taken away from the dystopian sci-fi part of it by being such, I do I agree with Dave that he would make any threat sort of meaningless. So it feels like they went away from the book to make, an, make a fun action romp, but they didn't go far enough away from the book to not have it sort of dragged down by the dystopian sci-fi. Um, and so I'm not sure about this, but it, it just doesn't sound like it works on either level properly it does sound like there's a bit of a schism within the film. And for that, and I'm not sure if I'm making the right choice here, I'm putting it on the shit list. <laughs> Look at your faces. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, honest opinions. Uh, Dave. <laughs> Look, he's ashamed of himself. He's actually the man. <laughs> ashamed of himself. <laughs> I, I I love the running man. I do. I mean, the points that I raised are valid points. You know, I I didn't have to look too far to find to find flaws with it. I don't know why I love it. I just genuinely do. It is just bonkers. It is absolutely bad shit, and it's it is campy and it is wacky and goofball, and I love it. <laughs> I, I you know when I talk about Dynamo, I could show you a picture of Dynamo. And I was like, does this, are you entertained by the look of this guy? This is the gladiator. And he's like, yes, I'm entertained. He's like, then the running man's for you. And if you're not entertained by that picture, don't even bother. Don't waste my time. <laughs> it is goofball. It is bonkers. And I absolutely love it. I think I, I look at it through rose tinted glasses because I, I loved it as a kid. You know, there's that nostalgic feeling for me personally. In the harsh light of day, is it a good film? It's probably not. You know, I'm not necessarily saying you've made the wrong decision. There are a lot of very valid points that would say this isn't a great film, but I love it. <laughs> I really do. Gav? Uh, you've made such a wrong decision. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, no, like, yeah. I agree with what Dave was saying. Yeah, yeah you, like watching it back. Um, there are some points um, that I'm like, oh, you know, this hasn't aged well, and you, you can see the flaws in it. But I, uh, it was just fun. I watched it last night. I hadn't seen it for a few years, to be honest. And I always remember really liking it. And I watched it again last night, um, and I was like, I'll just watch the first twenty minutes, and then I'll go to bed, and I'll, I'll try and watch the rest before the episode. But it was just one of those things. Where I can't stop watching it now. I'm just enjoying it that much. It is, as Dave said, it is campy. It is over the top. But it works, you know, having Arnold Schwarzenegger in that situation, like just punching people, it, you know, it, I just think it works really, really well. I don't know if you're all going to appreciate it, um, but it'd be interesting to hear what your views are next week. But yeah, I, I do think that if you're a fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger, if you're a fan of sort of 80s action films, if you're even a fan of that sort of like dystopian future sci-fi feel, I think that you're really going to enjoy this film. But yeah, oh dear, oh dear. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you necessarily made the wrong call. I'm just saying I like it. <laughs> sure. Well, no, I, I am saying that you did make the wrong call. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you, you seem pretty clear, clear about that. Oh dear. Well, well done, Dave. I have to say that was uh, that was a hell of a good yeah, argument. No, well to done, Dave. Fair, well done. To be fair, you've not watched it yet. You might come back and say, "Thank God I made that decision." I, I, I'll be honest, guys. I'm pretty sure that's what I'm going to say <laughs> after, after, hearing, after hearing you talk about it. But I'm now, you know, I'm less sure than I was. So I'll, I'll be interested to see it. Right, well, uh, higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was Dark Tower, which <laughs> scored 16 uh, and 45 percent. Well, a tad I mean, higher, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a pretty easy one. It is higher, high um, 50s, 60s, maybe, yeah, yeah, 64 uh, percent critical and 60 percent audience. I thought it would have been higher for audience, to be honest. It's one of those films mm-hmm. that I think um has improved over 
over time, you know, people have gone back and watched it and gone, oh my God, this is a good film. But yeah, uh, yeah maybe not. Maybe, I'm, you know, maybe that's you just know what me. what did disappoint me? You know what did disappoint me looking back on it? I wanted more Stalkers. I wanted more Gladiator. There's only five of them in it. Yeah. So I would have wanted more action. I would have wanted more of these like killers with gimmicks. Yeah. You know, I, think, I think that maybe is what is a bit disappointing. You feel a bit shortchanged. Well, can you get better than Arnold Schwarzenegger in a one piece, Alex? Well, we'll see, won't we? We will see. <laughs> I will I'll pass on and you know what? I, uh, I'm worried. I'm worried that I've done the wrong thing to the running man. I, th- I think you'll be fine. I think you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, so, you know, that's that's it. That's the end of the the trial. Just want to say thanks both you guys and thank you to everybody who has listened to this episode. If you like this episode, why not check out some of our previous content on filmsontrial.co.uk. Why not give us a lovely five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all social media, our Film Trials on Twitter and Films on Trial on Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. Um, we've picked the next film out of the hat I say the hat, the all sorts like a hat at random, and it is the well. You can probably guess it's going to be another eighties action film, but it is Raw Deal. Um, Raw Deal. You can watch it if you want to at home. It's available on Netflix at the moment. Uh, all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So, in defence of Raw Deal, is going to be Dave. In prosecution, is going to be Alex. And judge is going to be me. And if Austin pitches up. He can fit in somewhere. We'll figure it out. <laughs> so I'm, I'm defending an 80s Arnold Schwarzenegger film to you, Gav. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm <laughs> prosecuting the 80s Arnold Schwarzenegger film after I just put another 80s <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger film on the shit list. I may as well not turn up. <laughs> well me neither. <laughs> me neither. Let's just have day, uh, Gav, sorry, just do like a two-hour monologue about why... <laughs> As long Arnold as he does it in Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice, uh, I'm on board with that. Yeah. I mean, I could just tell sort of during that, during that, uh, during those things where just Gav wanted to just unleash and say, do you know what? He just is a good actor. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not qualifying this anymore. He just is a good actor. I don't need to explain this to anyone. You don't know. You don't know. Listen, you know, mate. The old he... phrase, poking the bear. I think I ran up to the bear and slapped it square on the nose. <laughs> I'm going for a lie down. I can't be doing with this. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so thank you very much, guys. That is it. The Running Man is a shit. I say through gritted teeth. And we're going to be in your ears next week when we put Raw Deal on their hit list. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Do you ever feel I need to end the episode with like a list of apologies? Like... I'd like to apologise to Paul Michael Blazer. I know, I think you do, Dave. To the Paul family of Richard Dawson, <laughs> <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, Huey Green, who wasn't even in this film and I still got a jab in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.